Welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church Cardiff. We are a multi-site church longing for God's kingdom to come in order to restore the city and renew the nation of Wales. During the coronavirus outbreak, we are not meeting on a Sunday, but you can stay connected with us on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Each Sunday, we will be streaming a full-length service and providing resources for the kids. And across the week, we're putting up loads of content. You can find out more on our social media or at cardiffvineyard.org forward slash online church. Here's this week's talk from our associate pastor, Alice Meads. Hi, morning. I just wanted to start today by saying hello. <laughs> I miss you all dearly as a church. You know, church at its best should feel like family, shouldn't it? And that is what you guys are to me, family. I really miss us all not being able to be together in this season, whether I know you well or not at all. To me, Vineyard is family and I miss you guys. It's been such a strange time, hasn't it? And things have changed at such a fast rate over the last few weeks. I found it exhausting. I'm sure you might have felt the same way. When I think about the progression of the last few months and all that's happened, the picture that comes to my mind is that of a storm an image of a storm. You know, the new year started with news of this coronavirus on the other side of the world. And whilst I was deeply concerned for those affected, it felt like a storm that was a long way away. You know, so kind of in watching the news unfolding over the last few months, it it became clear that this storm was actually getting closer and closer. You know, and I found myself and, and in our family trying to work out what the impact was gonna be. You know, not wanting to overreact or underreact. And then, of course, it became clearer and clearer that this storm was coming right towards us and that it wasn't going to be blown, of course. And then in the last few weeks, we found ourselves right in the eye of this storm, haven't we? And everything feels strange and hard and new and uncertain. It's been such a strange season. Now, as a team, we plan our sermon series about six months in advance. Um, at least that's the aim (laughs) and we've done that with this sermon series that we're in at the moment we had no way that when we'd actually be preaching it that we would find ourselves doing it in this way me preaching from my um, lounge and yet it feels like God has ordained us to be talking about what we're talking about at this time for those of you that are just joining in or catching up with us and we have been in a sermon series in the gospel of John looking at the last few chapters of John's gospel the last few hours um, and and, the last kind of few hours of Jesus's life, his last night with his disciples before he gets arrested. All that we've looked at so far in this series has been over the course of one evening. It's easy to to forget that. And what we're looking at today is part of that same evening, the same block of teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples on that last evening. And Jesus is with his disciples and he knows that this time with them is almost like the calm before the storm. Jesus knows that, um, that his disciples whom he loves dearly are heading towards a storm. Now, it would, of course, it is, of course, a very different storm to the one that we find ourselves in currently. I'm not making a direct comparison. But if you think about it, in just a few hours' time, the disciples' lives would be thrown upside down. Everything would feel difficult and painful and new and uncertain. And maybe that's why these chapters of John feel so poignant and have such resonance with us at this time. It almost feels like in preaching through these chapters, we're getting to say what needs to be said. To me, it's just another sign, another reassurance that ultimately Jesus is in control. So we're in John chapter 15 today, um, and and we'll see that, that these verses, they paint a beautiful picture of how we can be disciples in a time such as this. 
So let's jump right in. Go grab your Bible and come and sit back down. And here we go. John chapter 15. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So in this metaphor, Jesus is the vine and his disciples, that's you and me, uh, we are the branches. Now the nation of Israel in the Old Testament was often referred to as a vine or as a vineyard. In the book of Isaiah chapter five, we see God lamenting about how he has grown this vineyard, how he has tended to it carefully as a gardener. And yet he is dismayed to see that the grapes it produces, the fruit it produces are sour. It's sour. How can this be? God is lamenting. You know, Israel was the vineyard that was supposed to be a blessing to the whole world around it, to the surrounding nations. But Old Testament history, when you read it, shows us that this was just not the case. So that's why Jesus is saying here, I am the true vine. I am the true fulfillment. I am all that it should have been that he is the source of life and blessing to the nations. So he is the vine and as his disciples, we are to be the branches. And in this metaphor, God the Father is the gardener. It's the gardener's job to prune the branches. The Greek word for pruned also means clean. So that's why verse three, um, that's why verse three says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You are already being pruned because of my words. You know, he's kind of saying that the disciples are already experiencing this process of being pruned by being shaped by Jesus's teachings and the way that he lived his life. Now, I don't know about you, but this certainly feels like a time of pruning right now, doesn't it? You know, a time of things being taken away, of being acutely, painfully aware of our limitations. Any sense of control we may feel like we have actually is being taken away. It's a time of loss and difficulty, and that's really, really hard. And I think the challenge is, is, to all of us, is will we remain in the vine and be shaped by the gardener during this season? Will we cling on to the truths that we know about Jesus when everything else is being taken away and his truth is the only thing that remains? Can we trust him? Will we know that he is good? Will we declare that ultimately everything will be okay? How do we even start to do this? Well, I think the clue is in the next few verses. Picking it up in verse four, Jesus carries on saying, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In these verses, one word is repeated throughout the verses, throughout these verses, again and again and again. You might have noticed it. It's like a drumbeat through the passage. Remain, remain, remain. Or maybe in your translation, it's been put as abide, 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 abide. Abide in me, Jesus says, as I abide in you. And the word that's being translated here as remain or abide is the Greek word meno. Another way to translate this word meno is to make your home, to make your home. Jesus is saying here, make your home in me as I have in you. Make your home in me. James touched on this story a bit last week, looked at this a bit last week. 
that faith in Jesus is like coming home. It's a story of coming home. It's part of the human condition, I think, I believe, that we all have a longing. We all have a sense, a longing for a sense of home. You know, there's no kind of real English word to capture it. Um, the Welsh have a great word for it, hiraith. A longing for a place you know you belong to. A longing for a place you know you belong to. The Prodigal Son, a story many of you will know, is a story of coming home. It's a story of coming home, a story of the wayward son who returns home to find his father running towards him with open arms. It's a story of homecoming. And you know what, for me in my life, finding Jesus as a teenager, that to me was like coming home. It's knowing I'm where I'm meant to be. I know many of you will feel the same in your own journey, your own story with Jesus. It's like coming home, coming into relationship with Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, that is what is on offer, a coming home, being where you're meant to be. And Jesus's invitation here is for his followers, his disciples, you and me to continue to make our home in him. Continuing to make our home in him. Now, I don't know about you, probably like me, you have spent a lot of time at home in the last few days. I would imagine most of you have. Our homes are suddenly the centre of our existence, aren't they? You know, we are inhabiting a much smaller space than we normally would be in our normal weeks. Now, it's a, it's a well-known fact in my family. I get stir-crazy if I've not left the house by lunchtime. You know, if Matt and the kids kind of want a day at home, that's fine. But I will have to go out early in the morning to come back to be OK about staying at home. So this week has been an exercise and a half. I've spent more time at home in this past week than I probably have the rest of the year up till now. I've never been more aware of the stuff in my home that needs fixing and painting. So at this time when our homes are where we find ourselves, um, I suppose the question I would ask is this, where are you making your home right now? Where are you making your home? Is it in Jesus? The reality is if we're not building it in Jesus, we are probably building it somewhere else. The danger is that in this crazy time, in the chaos of this storm, that we will invest our time and our energy, our focus, the, our soul's gaze on many other things other than Jesus. Maybe right now you are abiding in a place of fear and anxiety. You are freaking out right now, torturing yourself with news update after news update. Maybe you are abiding in a place of needing things to be in control. You're abiding in a place of control, using that to, to reassure you that everything will be okay. You know, I've been home, homeschooling, I feel like I should do it like that, homeschooling my kids this past week. Many of you have been as well. And, um, you know, there's been post after post come my way of resources and like helpful timetables you could use and websites and so on. Um, they've all been coming my way and it's been a mixture of both kind of super helpful and informative, but also really overwhelming. You know, it's kind of made me feel like I was already behind before I began. I do not think there's anything wrong in being hyper-organised. In fact, it's one of the things I value in a person. But I wonder if, if deep down it's a symptom of a nation that is feeling deeply out of control right now. I wonder if that's what all this extreme shopping has been about. You know, it's deeply dismaying, isn't it, that all this panic buying has been leaving other people, often those that need it most, it's been leaving them without. You know, that is not okay. But I wonder if it's a symptom of just a larger feeling of us in a nation at the moment, just feeling out of control. And by buying the right stuff, we have just for that second feel like we're in control. 
maybe you're not abiding in anxiety and fear. Maybe you're not abiding in a place of, of control. Maybe for you, you're abiding in a place of distraction right now. You know, kind of Netflix, wine, more Netflix, more wine, and then repeat. <laughs> maybe you're spending loads of time on your phone. You know, when you get the thing on your phone that says, you know, how much more time you've spent in, on your phone than last week. Maybe for you each week, it's like more and more time. It's going up. I've been on my phone even more anything to distract us from the reality around us. Now, the truth is I've done all these things this past week to different degrees, and I'm sure you have too in your own unique way. <laughs> but Jesus's invitation to us in this moment today is to make our home in him, to choose to abide in him. He is the vine and we are the branches and we are to be deeply connected into him. Otherwise, we are in danger of withering up. Now, the image of a vine and its branches, it's a beautiful one, isn't it? It speaks of such close intimacy. It speaks of connection. It is an image of sheer dependence. You know, the, the only way the branches can get water, can stay alive, is to remain connected to the vine. Now, dependence isn't an easy concept for us, is it? You know, great value is often placed on not depending on anything else or, or anyone else. Independence is a high value in our culture. You know, you might say to someone, I don't want to get too dependent on this person. I don't want to feel too dependent on that in my life. If someone is classed as a dependent in that category in our society, it's because they're deemed weaker and needing our protection, whether it be children or the disabled or an elderly relative and so on. And that's all well and good. You know, there's good stuff in that. But it can mean that when we talk about being dependent on God, we instantly feel uneasy. You know, not just uneasy, but intensely vulnerable. It doesn't feel right. It feels like we failed. And I think that's what many of us are going through right now, that we feel intensely vulnerable, hard pressed and out of sorts. The things that we have put our trust in other than God are being stripped away. It's back to that pruning image, isn't it? It's a hard place to be when Jesus is the only answer for the situation we find ourselves in. That is a hard place to be in when we've come to the end of ourselves. It's deeply painful and vulnerable to be so dependent on him. Now, God can grow us a lot in these moments, of course. You know, pruning brings growth, doesn't it? That's why you prune something. But let's not skip over how hard it actually is. For those of you feeling like this, I think it's many of us, you know, take comfort from the fact that the Bible tells us that to be dependent on God in this way actually puts, actually puts us in a place of strength, not of weakness. That dependence is a place of strength, not weakness. That God is able to use our weaknesses and turn them to his strength. You know, if you look at Paul in the New Testament, he receives, he's in a place of weakness and he receives these words from God. God says to him, this is in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on to, to write, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, when we come to the end of ourselves, when we fully allow ourselves to be dependent on him, because we have no other option, that can be a place of strength. You know, maybe right now you're scared for someone you love. Maybe you feel vulnerable in your own health. Maybe you are worried for your job. Your financial situation is looking really hard. Maybe your mental health is really, really shaky. And Jesus's invitation to all of us is the same. It is to abide in him, to make our home in him, 
to recognise your sheer dependence on God in this time, your desperate clinging on, and know that there is great strength to be had from realising that Jesus is the only answer that you've got right now. That is a place of strength. So to make our home in Jesus, to abide in him, is to be aware of our dependence, and it's also to place ourselves in his presence. That's what is amazing about these verses. I don't know if you noticed it. it Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. You know, as we put ourselves in his presence, his presence is in us. You know, it's, it's not a kind of a one-way thing. It's a dynamic, life-giving thing. We live in Jesus and his presence makes his home in us. You know, he moves into our house and we get to move into his house. We get to be in his presence and his presence brings life. We know that when we look at the life of Jesus, if you look at his ministry, wherever he went, wherever Jesus went, he brought life to those around him. His very death brought life to anyone who will take it. His presence is both life-giving to us as the branches and then to the world around us. You know, we bring life to the world around us when we abide in Jesus because we, because we produce fruit. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, if you make your home in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can't bear fruit. Now, I don't know about you, but I desperately want to produce fruit in this time. You know, the fruits that come from being in his presence, from being filled with his Holy Spirit. You know, we're told what these are in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And this fruit, ultimately, as we find out in verse 8 in John 15, they ultimately are for the Father's glory. And I want to bring glory to the Father in this time. I want to remain full of love and patience and kindness and goodness. To be what's been kind of termed a non-anxious presence to those around me. To live differently to those around me at the moment. That when the rest, the rest of the world is freaking out, that people would look to us as believers in Jesus, as followers in God, followers of God. They would look to us and ask for the reason for the hope that we have. But you know what, we, we can't do this. We can't produce fruit if we don't abide in the vine, if we don't come into his presence throughout the day. I cannot be a person of peace and joy and gentleness at the moment. I literally don't have it in me at the moment, <laughs> in my own strength, unless I intentionally root myself in his presence. And intentional is the word here. I started by asking, you know, where are you currently making your home right now? To root yourself into Jesus in this way takes intentionality. We need to have spiritual rhythms in our life. And by this, I'm referring to spiritual disciplines or practices in order to do this. Stuff like spending time with Jesus every day, you know, having moments where we connect back in with him through worship or silence or reading the Bible or meditation or all of these things, whatever. There's lots of different options, but I would say that we need this now more than ever. We need to be doing these things now more than ever, or at least more than ever am I aware of my need to be doing these things. More than ever am I aware of my need to be doing these things. And I think there's a great opportunity at the moment, isn't there, for us to create some of these rhythms in our lives if we don't already have them. For many of us, our schedules, our diaries have literally been kind of ripped up, haven't they? Um, Matt and I had to sit down last weekend and plan how was our week going to work this week with um, two kids at home and both of us trying to work from home. How are we going to be good parents as well as good employees in this, in this week, in this season? And we literally started with a blank sheet of paper. I got out a blank sheet of paper and was like, right, 
let's go, we started from scratch. I would never normally be able to do that, would I? I would never normally be able to have a plan out a week with no other commitments, nothing else in. So often our schedule dictates our days, doesn't it? We can be ushered from one thing to the next. And we're, many of us know that we want to spend more time with Jesus, but we just don't, can't quite get ahead of ourselves enough to work out how to do this. We often feel like we're on the back foot. And so I think that this is actually a unique time. You know, if, our t- if how we spend our time looks uniquely different, looks massively different, then I would encourage you to think about building in some practices during this time to keep connecting in with Jesus, to help you stay in the vine. I heard the story of, of a small group um, this week for a staff member telling me about their small group and how um, they are planning to use the time when they would normally be commuting to work to use that time and actually spend it in prayer, to spend it connecting back into the vine. I said we need this stuff more than ever, or at least more than ever, we should be aware of our need for it. Now, you know, some of you will know my story, some of you won't, but I do have a predisposition to anxiety and worry. You know, it's something that I have kind of done I've done battle with, I've journeyed with Jesus with over the years. And so I know at the moment that I have to be really, really intentional about adding in more time with Jesus in my day to keep me rooted in him. You know, there is so much I could freak out about right now. I think we would all agree that's the case, but I am determined in this time to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, to keep my eyes fixed on him. He is the only answer. And I'm in a place where I feel utterly dependent. So for me, what this looks like at the moment, you know, I try and get up early in the morning to spend some time with Jesus. I'm using this Lectio 365 app, which we've put a link to. If you go on our website and go to Fix Your Eyes on Jesus on the front page of our website, you'll see there's a link to this app. Or you can just Google it. It's the 24-7 prayer movement. It's an app they've created, a daily kind of meditation on scripture and prayer after that. And I listen to that in the morning and then spend some time in prayer after that, whilst it's still fairly quiet in my house. (laughs) Quiet-ish. <laughs> I should say as quiet as it will ever be. My kids wake up whenever my alarm goes off. So I can get up earlier, but my kids will just get up earlier as well. Um, there's no way in my house that I ever have true peace and quiet. I normally end up praying in one end of the house, trying to da- drown out the sounds of Horrid Henry, hideous kids cartoon, Vile Henry, I call it, blaring out from the other end of the house. And then, you know, with my, so that's one thing I do. I start and do that lecture 365 in the morning and pray. And then, you know, th- with my boys this week, um, we've started reading at the beginning of the day, reading a story from the Jesus Storybook Bible together um, before we do any kind of schoolwork. And then Matt and I, you know, when the kids are in bed, we've started, you know, we don't want to just kind of put the telly on and then just kind of veg on the sofa. Before we do that, we want to again try and reconnect. So we've started listening to this um, devotional podcast by John Mark Homer. You may have heard of him. And just sitting for just even just if it's just 10 minutes just to sit, breathe in, breathe out, realise again our dependence on God and enjoy being in his presence. Coming back to the truth of Jesus, all these things in my day are helping me do that. And there's loads more I could be doing. You know, I'm not telling this to brag about all that I've been doing. I guarantee, seriously, if you'd followed me through this past week, you would see that it has been a mixed bag in the Meads household. (laughs) Moments of, of success, some wins, but also some moments of massive failure as we've been trying to adjust to this new normal. But you know what? Spiritual practices are called practice because we need to practice it. You know, it's not gonna come easy. But it's just to say that we have to be really super intentional in this stuff or we just won't do it. So that's a bit of my rhythm, what I'm trying to do at the moment. What's your rhythm? Well, how could your week look different this week? What rhythms could you put in place to stay connected in the vine this week, to be aware of his presence, to 
to be practicing the presence of God this week. So making our home in Jesus is to recognise our dependence on him. It's to place ourselves in his life-giving, fruit-growing presence. And finally, it should always lead us right back into the Father's heart. Jesus continues speaking to his disciples by saying this in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. To be in the vine is to be placed right in the centre of the Father's love. To know the joy of the gardener who rejoices over his creation, who rejoices over us. You know, when we make our home in Jesus, when we abide in him, this is where we should end up. This is the goal of all of our, of every spiritual practice that helps us abide in Jesus. The result of every single one of these should be that we are more aware of the great love that he has for us. That we remain in his love. You know, reading the Bible, praying, solitude, they're not the end goal in themselves. But they should be there to place us back in a place to receive his love for us again. And that's what we need now more than ever. So I'm going to end where I begun. You know, where are you building your home right now? Where are you building your home? Where are you abiding right now? The invitation is to come, abide in Jesus, dig deep into him in this time. He is the only answer and the only answer we'll ever need. Amen. I just want to finish this morning. If you're willing, just put out your hands. I just want to pray as we finish. Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you are the answer. You are the answer in this time. We recognise that we are utterly dependent on you, that we need more of your presence. And that in your presence, we need a greater awareness of your love, the Father's love, the gardener's love for us. So use us, Jesus, as your church. Fill us again. May we be a people of your presence. May we abide in you richly in this time. Give us wisdom, each one of us wisdom, to know how to do that in our days. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, you can tune in to our YouTube channel on Sundays from 10.30 for our online church or connect with us through Facebook and Instagram to hear from us throughout the week. We would love to help you find out more about Jesus or grow in your faith. So if you have any questions, get in touch on social media or email info at cardiffvineyard.org. If you're local to Cardiff, we would love for you to get involved in a small group, which is just a small group of people meeting throughout the week across the city. Of course, meeting online at the moment. They are the heartbeat of this church and now more than ever at this time of social distancing, they are so important for you to stay connected to church and grow in your faith. Head to our website cardiffvineyard.org and hit the small groups tab at the top of the page to find out more. If you're listening from further afield, thanks so much for tuning in. We're really glad you're here. But we would also love to help you get connected with a local church where you are. So email us at info at cardiffvineyard.org and we would love to help. Thanks again for tuning in this week. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.